On this episode of the Blue Jacketeer podcast, we will be covering part three for chapter six of the Hospital Corpsman Manual. Welcome to the Blue Jacketeer podcast, where we help you prepare for the Navy-wide advancement exam by covering study material created by highly qualified sailors. Learn more about what we have to offer at www.bluejacketeer.com. Let's begin. Welcome back to the bluejacketeer.com podcast for hospital corpsmen. I'm Taylor Larson. On this episode, we will continue with the hospital corpsman manual covering chapter six, part three. Be sure to pay attention because on the next episode, you will be quizzed on what you learned today. Without further delay, let's get started. Sit back, relax, and listen up. This is part three for chapter six of the hospital corpsman manual, human anatomy and physiology. We'll resume this chapter by talking about the lymphatic system. The lymphatic system helps defend the tissues against infections by supporting the activities of the lymphocytes, which give immunity or resistance to the effects of specific disease-causing agents. The lymphatic pathway begins with the lymphatic capillaries. These close-ended microscopic tubes extend into the interstitial spaces that form complex networks paralleling blood capillary networks. Once interstitial fluid enters the thin wall of the lymphatic capillary, it is then called a lymph. As the lymphatic capillaries merge, they become lymphatic vessels, or lymphatics. They are similar to blood veins in structure as they also have three layers, the inner endothelial tissue, smooth muscle and elastic fibers in the middle, and connective tissue on the outer layer. Like the blood veins, lymphatics also contain valves to prevent backflow. The larger of the lymphatic vessels leads to specialized organs known as lymph nodes. These lymph nodes are small bean-shaped bodies of lymphatic tissue formed in groups of 2 to 15 along the course of the lymph vessels. These nodes vary in size and act as filters to remove bacteria and other particles from the lymph stream. This is accomplished through the production of lymphocytes that defend the body and use of macrophages that engulf and destroy foreign substances, damage cells, and cellular debris. Leaving the nodes, the vessels merge to form larger lymphatic trunks. There are many lymphatic trunks throughout the body. These trunks join one of two collecting ducts, the thoracic duct or the right lymphatic duct. Lymphatic trunks form the upper half of the right side of the body and converge to form the right lymphatic duct, which empties into the right subclavian vein. Drainage from the remainder of the body is by way of the thoracic duct, which empties into the left subclavian vein. From the lymphatic system, we now explore the immune system. Cells, viruses, and other particles have unique molecules and groups of molecules on their surface that can be used to identify them. These molecular markers visible to the immune system are called antigens. Human cells have unique cell markers embedded in our plasma membranes that identify each of ourselves as self, that is, belonging to us as an individual. Foreign cells or particles have non-self molecules that serve as recognition markers for our immune system. The ability of our immune system to attack abnormal or foreign cells but spare our own normal cells is called self-tolerance. The body's primary defenses against infection include the skin, tears, stomach acid, urine, sweat, mucus, and saliva. By having this range of both physical and chemical defenses, the body is able to defend against a range of pathogens. Secondary defenses bring about inflammation. 
The swelling, redness, and warmth of the infected area caused the body to call in macrophages and neutrophils to consume the bacteria. If the pathogen is a virus, interferon, a group of proteins that interfere with the ability of viruses to cause diseases, is produced. This ensures that other cells in that region of the body can block the virus from attacking any healthy cells. Another line of defense the body has is the ability to remember specific antigens that have invaded the body before. This ability to remember allows for a much faster response the second and subsequent times after the virus enters the body. This is done by the creation of antibodies that are specific to each pathogen once they are created. The memorization and production of antibodies is called active immunity. Passive immunity is described when the antibodies have been obtained from outside the body. This is either from another animal or person. There are two specific cells that are involved in combating the invasion of viruses and bacteria. These are B cells and T cells. B cells have antigen receptors and antibodies that work to fight off bacteria. B cells can also form plasma cells and memory cells. The plasma cells produce antibodies that bind to antigens, whereas the memory B cells form new plasma cells if the bacteria enters the body again. T cells are responsible for recognizing non-self cells. On engagement with non-self cells, they produce killer T cells and memory T cells. The killer T cells have the task of binding to cells that have been infected by viruses. The memory T cells are ready to produce more killer T cells if the virus enters the body again. In both cases, bacterial and viral infections, helper T cells are available to recognize the antigens that have been ingested and displayed by macrophage. Now that we have covered how the body protects itself with the assistance of the lymphatic and immune system, we can get into how the body understands itself through the various messages of the nervous system. The nervous system is specifically adapted to the rapid transmission of impulses from one area of the body to another. The glia and the neuron are the two main types of cells of the nervous system. Glia cells do not usually conduct information themselves, but support the functions of the neurons in various ways. Unlike neurons, glia cells retain their capacity for cell division throughout adulthood. This characteristic gives them the ability to replace themselves and it makes them susceptible to abnormalities of cell division, such as cancer. The five major types of glia cells are the astrocytes, microglia, ependymol, oligodendrocytes, and Schwann cells. All but the Schwann cells, which are located in the peripheral nervous system, are located in the central nervous system. Let's cover each of the glia cells in more detail. Astrocytes help feed the brain and make up the blood barrier. Microglia enlarge, engulf, and destroy microorganisms and cellular debris. Ependymal cells have two functions in the central nervous system. They help produce the fluid, and some have cilia that help move the fluid around. Oligodendrocytes produce the fatty myelin sheath around the nerve fibers in the central nervous system. The structure and functional unit of the nervous system is the nerve cell, or neuron. Neurons are classified into three types. Sensory neurons, which convey sensory impulses inward from the receptors towards the spine and brain. 
motor neurons, which carry command impulses from a central area to the responding muscles or organs, and interneurons, which link the sensory neurons to the motor neurons. However, not all pathways have an interneuron. The neuron itself is composed of dendrites, thin receptive branches that vary greatly in size, shape, and number with different types of neurons. They serve as receptors, conveying impulses toward the perikaryon, the cell body of the neuron. The perikaryon contains the nucleus of the neuron. The last part of the neuron is the axon. It is a single thin extension outward from the cell that conducts impulses away from the cell body to its terminal branches at the synaptic knobs. This is the area which transmits the impulses to the dendrites of the next neuron, allowing for the message to travel. Peripheral nerve axons are enclosed in the sheath made of Schwann cells called neurilemma. Schwann cells wrap around the axon and act as an electrical insulator. The membranes of the Schwann cell are composed largely of a lipid protein called myelin, which forms a myelin sheath called myelinated fibers, or white fibers on the outside of the axon. The myelin sheath has gaps between adjacent Schwann cells called nodes of Ranvier. Nerve cells without Schwann cells also lack myelin and neurilemma sheaths. These are called unmyelated fibers or gray fibers. Myelin is important as it aids in conduction of the electrical impulse. When dendrites receive a sufficiently strong stimulus, a short and rapid change in electrical charge or polarity of the neuron is triggered. Sodium ions rush through the plasma membrane into the cell. Potassium ions leave and an electrical impulse is formed, which is conducted toward the cell body. The cell body receives the impulse and transmits it to the terminal filaments of the axon. At this point, a chemical transmitter such as acetylcholine is released into the synapse, a space between the axon of the activated nerve and the dendrite receptors of another neuron. This chemical transmitter activates the next nerve. Almost immediately after being activated, the chemical transmitter in the synapse is neutralized by the enzyme acetylcholinesterase, and the first neuron returns to its normal state by pumping out the sodium ions and drawing back potassium ions through the plasma membrane. When these actions are complete, the nerve is ready to be triggered again. A particularly strong stimulus will cause the nerve to fire in rapid succession, or will trigger many other neurons, thus giving a feeling of intensity to the perceived sensation. The cord-like bundle of fibers held together by connective tissue is known as the nerve. Nerves that conduct impulses into the brain or the spinal cord are called sensory nerves, and those that carry impulses to muscles and glands are termed motor nerves. Nerves that include both sensory and motor nerves are known as mixed neurons. Now that we know a little about how the nervous system works, we'll cover the two divisions of the nervous system, the central and the peripheral. The central nervous system is composed of the brain and spinal cord. Let's talk about its components. The brain has six major divisions, the medulla oblongata, the pons, midbrain, diencephalon, cerebrum, and the cerebellum. We'll cover each division in more detail. The first area of the brain we'll discuss is also the largest and most superiorly situated portion of the brain. 
it is known as the cerebrum. The most outer aspect of the cerebrum is known as the cortex or gray matter due to its makeup of unmyelinated nerve fibers. Below the cortex is the medulla or white matter. The medulla is composed of myelinated nerve fibers. The folds in the cortex of the cerebrum are known as convolutions and are separated by fissures. The cerebrum is divided longitudinally by the sagittal cleft, creating a right and left hemisphere. The cerebrum is further divided into four lobes, frontal, parietal, occipital, and temporal, each having a specific function or action. Moving to the next area of the brain, we look posterior to the brainstem and inferior of the occipital lobe to find the cerebellum, or little brain. This portion of the brain controls mostly balance, harmony, and coordination of the motions created by the cerebrum. The medulla oblongata is the inferior portion of the brain, the last division before the beginning of the spinal cord. It connects to the spinal cord at the upper level of the first cervical vertebrae. The medulla oblongata controls some of the most vital processes of the body, such as breathing, circulation, heart function, and blood pressure. The pons, also a part of the brainstem like the medulla oblongata and the midbrain, assists with the control of breathing, communication between different parts of the brain, and sensations such as hearing, taste, and balance. The midbrain deals mostly with auditory functions, contains the visual centers, and is involved in muscular control. Covering the brain and spinal cord is a grouping of three membranes called the meninges. The most outer layer is known as the dura mater, and like its name suggests, it is the most durable and strongest layer of the meninges. Below the dura mater is the arachnoid membrane, followed by the vascular pia mater that adheres to the surface of the brain and spinal cord. An easy way to remember the layers of the meninges is with the acronym BDAP, bone, dura mater, arachnoid membrane, and pia mater. Using this acronym helps you remember the layers from the outside in. The brain and spinal cord are bathed in fluid known as cerebrospinal fluid, or CSF. This is a clear watery solution similar to that of blood plasma. It is continuously produced and reabsorbed and serves as a protective cushion as well as a means of exchange for nutrients and waste materials. Besides the brain, the other component of the central nervous system is the spinal cord. The spinal cord is continuous with the medulla oblongata and extends from the foramen magnum through the atlas to the lower portion of the first lumbar vertebrae, where it tapers to a point. The nerve matter is shaped roughly like the letter H. It establishes sensory communication between the brain and the spinal nerves, conducting sensory impulses from the body parts. Sensations received by a sensory nerve are brought to the spinal cord, and the impulse is transferred either to the brain or to a motor nerve. The majority of impulses go to the brain for action. However, a system exists for quickly handling emergency situations called the reflex arc. The reflex arc works well in simple situations requiring no action of the brain. The other division of the nervous system is known as the peripheral nervous system. It consists of the nerves that branch out from the central nervous system, and it connects it to the other parts of the body. The peripheral nervous system includes 12 pairs of cranial nerves and 31 pairs of spinal nerves. 
Cranial and spinal nerves carry both voluntary and involuntary impulses. The 12 pairs of cranial nerves are sensory, motor, or mixed. The numbers are also assigned a name, which is the specific area the nerve controls. 1 is olfactory. 2 is optic. The third is the oculomotor. The fourth is the trochlear nerve. Fifth is the trigeminal. Six is the abducens. Seven is the facial. Eight is the vestibulocochlear. Nine is the glossopharyngeal. Ten is the vagus. Eleven is the spinal or accessory. And twelve is the hypoglossal. You can use the following sentence to remember the names and order of the nerves. On old Olympus's tiny tops, a friendly Viking grew vines and hops. And to remember which nerves are sensory, motor, or both, use the following sentence. Some say marry money, but my brothers say bad business marry money. There are 31 pairs of spinal nerves that originate from the spinal cord. Although spinal nerves are not named individually, they are grouped according to the level from which they arise, and each nerve is numbered in sequence. Thus, there are 8 pairs of cranial nerves, 12 pairs of thoracic nerves, 5 pairs of lumbar nerves, 5 pairs of sacral nerves, and 1 pair of coccygeal nerves. The portion of the peripheral nervous system that functions independently, automatically, and continuously without conscious effort is known as the autonomic nervous system. It helps to regulate the smooth muscles, cardiac muscle, digestive tract, blood vessels, sweat and digestive glands, and certain endocrine glands. The autonomic nervous system includes two subdivisions the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems that act together. The sympathetic nervous system's primary concern is to prepare the body for energy expending, stressful or emergency situations, also known as fight or flight. The parasympathetic nervous system is the most active under routine, restful situations. It also counterbalances the effects of the sympathetic nervous system and restores the body to a resting state. This concludes our lesson for Chapter 6, Part 3 of the Hospital Corpsman Manual. I hope that you were able to not only learn something, but also apply some of the information in this chapter to your daily duties. Remember, at Blue Jacketeer, we bring you the very best in advancement exam preparation. Don't forget to check out our next podcast, where we will be covering Part 4 of Chapter 6 of the Hospital Corpsman Manual. As always, I'm Petty Officer 2nd Class Taylor Larson, reminding you to stay Navy and always keep working for that next rank. Thank you. Blue Jacketeer is a system specifically designed by sailors to help sailors prepare for the Navy-wide advancement exam. Our system leverages the benefits of a learning technique known as spaced repetition. This learning technique is typically used by individuals who need to efficiently learn a massive amount of information. Spaced repetition is most commonly used to acquire new languages. 
The study environment we've created helps you retain information in your long-term memory using the spacing effect. The definition of the spacing effect is the phenomenon whereby humans more easily remember or learn items when they are studied a few times spaced over a long time span rather than repeatedly studied in a short span of time. Simply put, the longer you can wait to see a question again and still answer it correctly, the better. Blue Jacketeer was built behind the idea of using spaced repetition as the key advantage to remembering massive amounts of information pertaining to the advancement exam. At Blue Jacketeer, we believe in learning and understanding key material, not just memorizing the answers to thousands of random, unimportant questions. Our highly qualified test writers develop questions based on their own experience with the Navy Advancement Exam. To assist you in better understanding in the material, we do the following. We link you directly to where we found the answer in the instruction, we show you the meanings of pesky acronyms, and we provide you with additional notes for many questions giving you that surrounding information you need for a better understanding. You will be quizzed in the following formats, multiple choice questions, traditional flashcards, and fill-in-the-blank questions. Using spaced repetition, Blue Jacketeer remembers what you get right or wrong, showing you the same question until you get it right. The more you get a question right, the less often you see it. Visit www.bluejacketeer.com to learn more and sign up for our online study guide.